Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. In for Vince Petrano, here's Eric Bilstad. And a good morning to you on this beautiful Friday. 809, Eric Bilstad in for Vince. Vince is back next week. Chatted with him earlier today. He's doing well. They're enjoying their time in Florida. Steve Scafidi in studio. Thanks again for joining us, Steve. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm here at 6 in the morning, so anytime you want me to come in, just let me know. Mm -hmm. Mike Spaulding handling news for us as well, and Greg Pancake Hill is producing the big show. We preview the commercials for the Super Bowl. We'll do that at 8.30. But first, this story. What do you do if you're the former VP? Big news from overnight. The special counsel that's looking into Donald Trump and what he may or may not have done leading into the insurrection and what he was doing after that fact, that special counsel now issuing a subpoena for the former vice president, Mike Pence. Sources telling ABC News, former Vice President Pence has received a subpoena from Special Counsel Jack Smith, who is looking into Mr. Trump's handling of classified documents, as well as the former president's efforts and others to overturn the 2020 election results. It's not clear what information they would like from Mike Pence. The former vice president and the special counsel have declined to comment on the subpoena. Now, in the past, you may recall, Pence rebuffed in interview requests from the House Select Committee that was looking into the January 6th insurrection, would not testify. And I, back then when that happened, we talked about that. Would he have been heroic? Is that a hero move had he testified? And we got a variety of answers on that from people. He did allow top aides, though, to provide testimony. And some of that pretty, pretty deep and incriminating stuff. This is one of those history moments. My take. Quick take. One of those history moments. What's he going to be? Who's he going to be? Well, see, that's what I want to know. What do you do? And it's not just because he's a former VP who would be asked to potentially testify against his former boss. That's just one faction of this. The bigger issue is this guy's looking at running for the White House himself. That's the qualifier because he's no longer a close ally of the, of the former president. He's an opponent. He's a political opponent. Opponent. He's an enemy, potentially, because anybody who goes after Donald Trump becomes a target. It's a different story now, different set of facts that we're dealing with here. I would not be surprised if he testified. Now, there, there is a big – you and I talked about this briefly uh, off show. There is this – executive privilege argument and that that is open to interpretation and that could be thrown out depending on how that plays out so yes there is the potential for this not to happen however more likely would be that he would be asked to testify in a certain amount of manners and he would do so and then if he felt it necessary he would what plead the fifth well donald trump did it like 400 times so they, they all do it so what would be better if you were the vp Pleading the fifth or putting the hammer down against a guy who is likely your opponent for the GOP nomination for the president of the United States. I'll answer directly. If you're a candidate for president and Donald Trump is one of your opponents, former president or not, you put the hammer down and you end his candidacy if you can. Because when Donald Trump's out of the equation, it's a, it's more likely that Pence has, has any kind of shots. So is Paul Ryan calling his buddy Mike Pence right now saying, hey, you know what, you should really really testify. Do the right thing, man. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. (laughs) Because, you know, the the establishment, there's many of them who will say off the record that they're finding and hoping for ways for, for Trump not to get the nomination. Who knows if that'll work or not. 
That's a hope and a prayer. There, there's so much unknown here. I mean, money's part of it. He's apparently having trouble getting money, but he'll tr- trust me. Somebody made a great point about this yesterday on one of the shows I was watching. There's so many small dollar donations that Donald Trump will absolutely seize once this thing goes real and it's a real campaign. So don't put too much stock in that. But Pence, if he wants to be a candidate, a serious candidate, you got to go after the former president. If he does it, then he's nothing. He's he's going to be a, a, he's going to be a, a memory. Well, what do you? He's got to testify. He's got to so put the hammer down. Put the hammer during. Te- it wouldn't be during a debate. It wouldn't be just during nope. a speaking engagement. You say he's got to swing the Pence hammer. Yeah, exactly. This is where I come from. Even on my show, this is the moment in history where the real conversation happens. What actually happened on that day? What did you see? Answer the questions fairly honestly. If I know anything about Mike Pence, he's a guy that pretty much by the book, right? Sure. So history would dictate to someone like that who's by the book, follow the rules. I'm going to tell you what I what I know and what I saw. Well, anything I've ever learned from campaigning is that you got to do anything you can. You got to fight dirty or have someone else fight dirty for you. I'm not suggesting that him testifying before the special counsel is dirty, but it's one other way to to Knock down the guy in front of you, right? This is a fascinating time in our country's history because we have a former president who may be charged, may be indicted. I mean, come on. This, this just doesn't happen. And in the midst of that, oh, yeah, by the way, he wants to run for president for the third time. This is uncharted territory. Throw out the rules. We'll find out who actually is serious here and wants to be a serious candidate. If that's Mike Pence, do the right thing. So you don't think he's a serious candidate if he does not? T- if he goes up there and pleads no, the fifth? forget about him. There's a million other candidates that, that would have more popularity than him. What is he, like a 3%er, 5%er? Come on. Hmm. Christy No. He, he just for one. Just um, the minor candidates. Ted Cruz, Christy No. Pick pick about eight other people. I guess I'm just thinking. John of, Sununu. I'm th- <laughs> Nikki Haley. Chris, is it Chris, or, Chris Sununu, right? Chris Sununu. Chris, yeah. yeah. Who's John Sununu? There was a John Sununu. That's, maybe his brother? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I can't be more straight on this. This is this is that moment. Seize the moment. Is that carpe diem? I think it is, right? That's seize the day. Seize the day. All right. It works. You're it a works, smart though. guy, Mike Spock. You know, you know? Going back to the the moment of like, okay, what do you do? Yeah, so you're saying if he testifies, he's helping bring America back together, or at least he's moving the country in the right direction, getting rid of uh, whom you don't believe is a is a qualified candidate. Forget the America back together okay, okay, thing. Fine. Yeah, that, that'll that's, never happen. That yeah, ship yeah, yeah. has sailed. We're talking about Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah. All right, but yes, you think it's his duty to the country to do. But my question is, would it actually help him win the White House? No. As a, no. As a, if you are a political strategist, what are you telling Mike Pence today? Are you saying, yeah, man, go do it. You know, swing for the fences, go for the knees, Kerrigan. He's or- a minor candidate. Okay. That's that's the that's where we're at right now. This gives him some elevated status. Does it make him the, the favorite? I don't think so. I mean, look at Ron DeSantis' numbers. He's beaten Trump, and Trump's very popular among the grassroots, right? Yeah, sure. So this makes this raises his profile. But ultimately, I don't think Mike Pence is gonna be the next president of the United States, if that's what you're asking me. No. But it raises a profile in, in the in the historical record. I would think most people fifty years from now would go, "Yeah, Mike Pence, he did the right thing there." That's my take. If you pull back, is it like telling on your boss? I don't think so. Blowing the whistle a little what bit. Com- what comes what? first? Use the boss analogy: company or your boss? I say company, right? Hmm. If the boss is doing something he shouldn't be doing, I'm, I'm going to go after the boss, 
and I'm going to save the company. Same thing goes for government, in my opinion. All right. If you were the campaign strategist for Mike Pence, what are you telling him today? Do you blow the lid off or do you say, hey, man, this ain't going to help you win? What's your take? Steve says, blow the lid off, 855-616-1620 on the old National Bank. Talk and text line, we should really blow the lid off this text line. Commence primary ignition. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Old National Bank. Get old. It's eight seventeen. Wisconsin's morning news with Vince Vetrano, Eric Dillstead in for Vince, Steve Scafidi, Mike Spaulding also in studio. Wisconsin's morning news, of course, runs until nine a.m. Then Steve takes it over. So what do you do if you're Mike Pence? If you are the campaign strategist for the former VP, who is eyeing a run at the White House? We can, we can assume that that's likely to happen, right? Absolutely. He's, he's pretty much he's, he's yes, doing, the, yeah, he's doing he, the circuit. Mm-hmm. He, he's going to run for the White House. He has now been subpoenaed by the DOJ, the special counsel, looking into President Trump's actions when he was the commander-in-chief leading up to and during the insurrection. We've heard from witnesses near and by the former VP when he was in the basement of the Capitol. We've heard from their testimony during the January 6th committee hearing, but we never heard from Pence himself. Actually, that was one of those things. I kind of thought he'd be heroic and do it. He'd go up there and say, look, here's what I saw. Here's what I know. But he didn't. So what does that mean for this? Will he testify? Will we get word of what that testimony is someday? We would. Or would he plead the fifth? Here's one from the 970, Steve. Pence is an institutionalist. The same values that prompted him to certify the 2020 election will be the same values that keep him from testifying because of executive privilege. That's an open question. That's an open question. So that will be discussed, but it may not work. One, he's not in office right now. And two, there's a question about the vice president and and the, the term executive privilege. Here's one from the 414. I think Mike Pence has to be very careful because there are still very strong supporters of the former president. If Pence hits hard on Trump, then he will alienate many of Trump's supporters. I think any GOP candidate for 2024 will need the support of the Trump holdouts. So that means you got to be careful with your testimony or at least make sure that that testimony stays under lid (laughs) until after the election. I mentioned moment in history before about Mike Pence and and his role and whatever this will be in in that potential testimony. The other moment in history is the Trump factor. Is this, and and this depends on how far Trump wants to put the, uh, to push this. Is this the, one of the ends of the existing Republican party? Is this the fracture? Is this the Trump piece? And then everything else. That's part of this story as well, because Donald Trump has a lot of grassroots support. At any one time, he's walking around with, what, 28 percent, 30 percent of the Republican voters, probably more in some states, less in others. He's got that built in. That's not going anywhere. So that's the fracture that could happen. Mike Pence is part of that story. You say then he has to testify. He has to put the hammer down. I think so. I believe it. It's the right thing to do. What did you see? You you use the analogy or the, the story about him. Certifying the election. Yeah, right? one of the textures brought that up. If you do that, that suggests you are someone who's going to follow the course of history and do the right thing. No? Or am I missing something? Because he could have easily, with all the pressure from Donald Trump, said, you know what? I'm not sure this election was valid, and I'm going to hold back. He didn't do that. 
From the 414, boy, did you hit the nail on the head in elections. Do what you have to do. Kill or be killed. That's the way it is. Yeah, that's the whole cheerleading piece of politics now. Kill the enemy. Kill the kill your opponents. Well, right. It, the analogy being that, like, hey, if you got an opportunity to hit one, then you got to take that shot. Let me put it this way. If Donald Trump was on a debate stage and he felt it was going badly enough, he'd, he'd chase the other side down, grab him by the neck on live TV. Seriously. <laughs> If he felt it was going badly enough, that's Donald Trump. All right. So this all comes from the news that Mike Pence is being subpoenaed now by the DOJ and the special investigation to get details and information about his interactions, what he was doing up until and during the insurrection. We'll see where this goes. I don't think we learn a thing from him, at least any time before the election. I don't think that even if he testifies, that we will learn the details of that testimony before November 24. Well, we're on record, because I disagree. I'm not saying he's going to say anything. I just don't think we'll know anything. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's also anything. a question of how much he knows. I mean, we don't, we don't know that he, oh, knows, he knows every plenty. piece of this. He knows plenty. Well, but you know, hearsay, hearing from other people. We already know what happened, because we've had a dozen other people tell us what happened on that day. He's just corroborating that information at the highest level, second highest level. 825, this is Wisconsin's Morning News, back in a minute. Is this what I think it is? It's definitely not the other thing you're thinking it is. <laughs> you see the thing where they asked Andy Reid about favorite rappers and he had to think long and hard about it and he was like throwing out like the Jay-Z's and stuff. Oh, come on. That's what They get the dumbest questions at these Super Bowl. And they go on not a bad answer, though. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Super Bowl, before we get to the bottom of the hour here with Mike, so I'm invited to a party um, on Sunday and I'm going. Uh, my my daughter will not be playing soccer at 6 p.m. Oh, nice. And Somebody put the hammer down oh, himself. Oh, yeah, I put yeah. down the VP Pence hammer. Um, <laughs> and I asked multiple times, hey, what can we bring? What can we bring? What, what can we bring? And it uh, keeps telling me nothing. Don't need to bring anything. That doesn't seem right. I still feel like I should bring something. What should I bring with me? Go-to dish? Wings. Yeah, but there's never a shortage of wings. Trust me, they get consumed. My wife makes a great dish of wings. They never, that's always one of the first things to clear out. Everybody's going after that. See, that's the one thing I don't want to bring because Why? they're making wings and all that. Oh, I brought my own plate. It's, a, it's, it's <laughs> Bill Stead special. I'm sure you're the celebrity guest at whatever party you're going to, but wouldn't Hello, the, everybody. Wouldn't the Bill Stead wings Bill Stead be, be like a hot dish? I mean, that'd be but the. Th- that's the point. Yeah, but if I already made wings. Yeah, he's making wings. Yeah. Well, so you're, you're, so you're worried about offending the host. Is that what you're saying? Well, a little bit. Yeah, right? yeah. I I wouldn't want to bring something. I something easy but nice, right? Bottle of wine. So a veggie plate. Nope. Well, Mm-mm. he said food. I mean, bottle of wine. Yeah, well, no, probably. I'd say, what do I? I didn't oh yeah, say bottle food. of wine's an easy one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's something yeah. you you bring something, but Good it's wine. not an intrusion. Good wine, not the not the stuff you got for three for ten dollars. Well, How would they? Like a nine dollar bottle. They right? know. People something? know. Trust. Here's me. one from the four one four. If kids are invited to the Super Bowl party, and by the way, they are. Go to Costco and get a whole tray of cupcakes or cookies. Nope. You can't go wrong. No, oh, um, they no all... one likes the dessert person. Sugar! Yeah, yeah if you're, you're bringing desserts <laughs> to the party, no one likes you. Here, kids. <laughs> I've been to a lot of parties in the last few months. The cupcakes are like always the last thing that's still there. People are done with that. Don't well, they're too hard to eat. You want something easier to eat. Yeah. And then they got the black icing, which like stains your face and your hands and your clothes. 
right oh here. Oh my! Good. Eat that up and see what you look like. The reason why I haven't yet, it's sitting right here. But it's good cupcake. Kudos to you for blowing up that soccer game. My goodness. Yeah, no way. There was no way <laughs> that, that ain't happening. Bad no. planning. Bad no. planning. Speaking of the Super Bowl, we are going to get a preview. We'll chat all thing ads. What can we expect? What are some of the strategies? What are some of the trends? And why in the world are we paying that much for a thirty second ad? We'll do it next with Todd Stone. He's with Kramer Kressel. Wisconsin's Morning News with Vince Vetrano, Eric Bilstead and Steve Scafidi, Mike Spaulding in News, Debbie on the Roads, and Greg Pancake Hill is producing the big show. Getting word now that Vince, who told us earlier this morning that he was going to go to the Star Wars world down there in Orlando, he's saying now that it's closed. He did a Wally World thing. He le- legitimately How do you not got- know that? <laughs> He went down there, and it's closed for what? Crypto Spiridion. That's what somebody said on Facebook. Wow. Take it for what it's worth. Okay, so the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Eagles and Chiefs, and then, of course, there are the ads. What, we have 110 million people going to watch the Super Bowl, at least portions of the Super Bowl. We have $7 million per 30 seconds for an ad. So how do you make something work if that is your job, joining us now in studio is Todd Stone, the Senior VP and Executive Creative Director at Kramer Kresselt. All right, Todd, the onus is on you. How do you create a commercial that stands out? Oh, that's a, that, that, that's a tough question. It's, uh, I got to tell you that there's, um, you know, there's no formula to it. It's, uh, it, it's something that, uh, you know, it's really something people are watching the Super Bowl because they want to be entertained. Right. So so this venue is really, really different than every other advertising venue. Right. The your real risk is your biggest risk is to be boring. Right. So you don't want to sell too hard. You, you, you want to entertain people. Ideally, take that entertainment and tie it to your brand. So so you can make that linkage between the brand and the idea. And those are the ads that usually rise to the top. With that in mind, what plays better? Serious, thoughtful or funny, goofy? What's better? Again, it, it probably depends on the on the year, and it depends on your taste, right? So, so <laughs> I always choose the latter. I always choose the latter too. Yeah, I, I I really like that. Although, if you look at you know some of the great ads over time, you know the Macintosh. You can't talk about the Super Bowl without talking about the Macintosh. Um, you know, nineteen eighty four ad. Um, that was definitely profound and thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got Mean Joe Green tossing jerseys to little kids. And that's heartwarming. And so those are those are great ads, and they're ads that stand, you know, that stand out years and years later. But I like the funny ones. I think it's uh, I, I again think it's uh, a time when uh, when people are looking to be entertained, right? Very seldom, I think, especially today, with younger uh, younger folks who are a little resistant to ad messages, right? This is a stage where people are literally waiting to see your ads. So you really, there's a lot of pressure to deliver and, you know, a lot of monetary pressure. To Seven million dollars. Right. Seven, uh, well, it costs more than that probably to make the ad. It's right? actually yeah, yeah. by the time you're making the ad. And one of the trends we're seeing, uh, we always see is celebrities mm-hmm. in ads. But this year, it's kind of it's kind of unhinged, the amount of celebrities that you're seeing. Hard to find an ad without one, right? You've got Will Ferrell doing, a, um, doing an ad, uh, kind of an interesting combo ad for Netflix and GM. And you've got... Melissa McCarthy doing yep. booking.com. And then you're also seeing trends of like, if one celebrity isn't enough, like let's put seven celebrities in, right? There's a Doritos ad that has um, Missy Elliott, Nelton John and Jack Harlow. And it just keeps going and going and building and building. And, uh, you know, everybody's trying to feel bigger and one up the other brand. 
Todd Stone joins us from Kramer Cresseld. One thing that obviously over the years has really taken hold is the amount of ads that are on social media beforehand or on some type of digital platform before the actual ad. Has that made the ad creation process easier or more difficult when you know that you can almost expand it and have something larger that you obviously need to whittle down the 30 seconds on Sunday? Yeah, you know, even within our industry, people debate this a lot, right, in that, I mean, personally, I miss ads being revealed on, on the game. I, I miss the, you know, when, when I go to Super Bowl parties now, you know, everybody used to shush to see what the ads are. And then most people have seen them, so they yeah. don't shush. So so I, I think something's been lost in that. But there's also, I think if a brand embraces the fact that this is just kind of the new, the new normal, you can do a lot of PR efforts beforehand, mm-hmm. and um, and you can get more mileage out more of it, $7 million. Dollars. Yeah. I was going to ask what the thought process there, because is it also a, a chance to vet if there's something that maybe shouldn't be aired during the Super Bowl, something <laughs> they, a mistake you made, or is, is that a critical review of, in advance of the big game? Yeah, I mean, I hope that's I hope that I mean, doesn't you, happen you, you for somebody, saying. because at that point, you've pretty you're much, spent, you're, yeah, you you're spent, pretty all much your money. spent your money. So, uh, so, so that would be tough. But if you look at uh, this year, for example... The M and M's. Have you been? I don't know if you've been following the. I haven't watched any of them. The, the M and M's story. With Maya Rudolph but, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah there was the M and M's. They changed the shoes of the characters, and Tucker Carlson went all <laughs> right. I bet M and M is loving all, this. All, 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 all nuts on his show about it, and yeah. people started, you know, talking about how they're maybe trying to degenderize <laughs> yes. the M and M characters. <laughs> And so M&M's came out and said, hey, we're sorry. We didn't want to offend anybody. We're going to be oh. doing this these ads with Maya Rudolph, you know, instead of our M&M characters. And it's like, is this really happening? Is this really real? And and then some of the teaser ads have come out, and it, they're funny. They're Maya Rudolph, who's changing the name of M&M's to, of course. to Maya and Yaz or something. Yeah, of and, course. And, 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 they're, and, they're clam, and they're clams covered in chocolate. It's, 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 right. it's genius. And, and, and so you can only sense that it's building to something where these Eminem characters are probably going to come in on the day of the Super Bowl and save the day. Of so course. I don't know that for sure, but I don't know how, I, it's, I don't know how that's not how it's going to end Todd, up. Todd, I'm on the exact same page. I said it a couple of weeks ago on the program. Like, there's no way that this doesn't come back around on Sunday. They're going to, we just know that this is how that works. So you but, guys. But, but, but what they're doing is they're getting so much more out of that right, $7 right. million. Expanding, dollars, right? Yep. I mean, the, the, the amount of press coverage they've gotten, you know, for saying they're putting their characters on hiatus and doing all this. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a, that's a brilliant, you know, way of really getting the most out of your dollars. Are there any companies that aren't leasing it ahead of time, leasing their commercial? Who aren't leasing their commercial? Aren't Meaning, putting it out early, previewing? Um, you know, I'm not totally sure. Because that's I, more interesting than me. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure there may be a couple. I th- the, you know, the trend is definitely most of them are out, but I think... I think the ones who don't put it out are the ones like M&Ms who are kind of teasing it out to make it still important when you see it on game day. Right. right? So if you're building this whole storyline and then you reveal it, that kind of has, you know, it, it has the power that the original um, approach used to have. So I, I, I approach it this way because I watch it by myself with my wife. I don't go to a party. So I actually look at it as homework that day. I want to just see them fresh. I don't want to read what people said about them or hear what they said about them. I just want to watch them. You shouldn't be talking to me <laughs> right now. Well, uh, get out of here, here, Todd. Yeah, so, yeah. You invited me. Just for the record, so. Todd Stone joins us from Kramer Crestle. So you guys over there have 
placed some of these ads. What does that mean? Tell us how you guys have been connected to a Super Bowl ad in the past. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've been around a long time. Yeah. We were uh, one of the oldest agencies in the country. We were founded in 1898 here in Milwaukee, wow. which is uh, That's amazing. I know it's kind of nuts, and uh, and. Yeah, we've had a lot of opportunities to do Super Bowl spots for clients. What was we, it like uh, creating ads in 1898? Oh, I tell you, it was, <laughs> from what I understand, it was, it, was, it was harder. But is there a process to it? Is there a, a long process? How does that go? Oh, yeah. I mean, th- th- this is the opportunity that everybody wants, right? So you're getting lots and lots of people involved. You've got lots of voices. Um, you know, you, you, you're you're trying to be as entertaining as possible. Clients are... You know, you know, clients are very involved. It's, it's a, it's a big, big deal. And, um, and w- w- we've done it. We did, I think, for twelve years running. We did the master lock ads for twelve Super Bowls in a row mm-hmm. with the bullet going through the lock. Oh yeah, yeah. We, uh, we did uh, ads for um, CareerBuilder.com for years, where people are working with monkeys, and those were always some of the, some of the USA Today That's- top. That one just made the, the CBS show. They did a CBS show. Boomer Sison did- hosted and. That one came up, the monkey one. Yeah, that's one that's always kind of been a favorite. We did uh, we did a Heinz ad a few years ago for uh, it was the, I think it was their first Super Bowl effort, and we just did Porsche's first Super Bowl ad like that was three years ago. It was just before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So so yeah, we, we we get plenty of opportunities at CK. And what what makes the worst list like one that you can that stands out in your mind that was oh my god that's horrific. Not of theirs, of course. No, none of your work. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, so I don't know that I even remember anything from the worst list. I mean, because they're just uh, awful. On any given year, I can. I just know you don't want to. If, if you're paying seven million dollars, and on top of that, you're paying the production costs, the celebrities, everything. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mm-hmm. be on the. You don't want to be on the bottom of the worst list. Usually, it's like I think last year it was Nick Jonas had an ad for a glucose testing product, and it was, <laughs> and, and it was just kind of wow. like, and it was. It was kind of your normal pharma ad, except Nick Jonas was the guy. <laughs> Some random and, thing. And, and it's like, that's just, I don't know, that's maybe not the best use of your dollars and or Nick Jonas. Mm. Todd Stone from Kramer Kressel. He's the senior VP and the executive creative director there. Looking forward to it, man. Appreciate the insight. Oh, absolutely. Fun to, fun to be here. 847 on Wisconsin's Morning News. I want to sincerely and humbly apologize to those impacted by disruption. It caused a tremendous amount of anguish, inconvenience, and missed opportunities for our customers and our employees. That is the COO at Southwest, Andrew Watterson, apologizing for the meltdown from the holiday season that you may recall when more than 16,000 flights were canceled during that time. It was fueled by a string of winter storm issues it left millions of passengers stranded. They uh, testified before Congress yesterday, apologizing, saying, hey, our bad. Uh, a pilot who also is the leader of the union says, no, there's been issues here a long time. It's not just a weather thing. For years, our pilots have been sounding the alarm about Southwest's inadequate crew scheduling technology and outdated operational processes. Unfortunately, those warnings have been summarily ignored by Southwest leaders. So then there's this, Steve. Southwest admitting that, you know what, we did have quite a few flights that flew during this turmoil with no one on them. During the Southwest meltdown, over 2 million passengers were stranded and add insult to injury. ABC News has now learned Southwest flew over 500 empty flights, many on routes that had been canceled and could have been full of passengers. (laughs) 
500 empty flights. They were arguing they were moving planes, uh, planes, correct? Which I, I, I feel like I can kind of understand that. Yes, they were repositioning planes because mm-hmm. they had to. That's what happens. And it's easier to do that, I guess, with an empty plane that doesn't have a bunch of bags you're carting around and figuring out. But could you imagine if you were stranded at Milwaukee Mitchell and you knew that the plane you've been waiting on actually did fly to Tampa? <laughs> it I'd be pissed. <laughs> I, I had friends, family, neighbors who were impacted by this. And I, I blew them up when this happened. And I, I'm still not happy about it, but they got caught with their pants down. They took money from the governments. They didn't use it for updating their technology. They use it to do other things, to help their bottom line. They favored shareholders over customers. And because they did that... They got caught with their pants down. Now, here's what, here's what I said. A lot of companies put their shareholders first, yeah. though, by the way. Yeah. Maybe customers are a little more important than we think, especially when we're talking about a potential recession. Just a thought there from a non-economist. Look, I said at the time, I'm still going to fly them. I'm going to give them one more shot. I'm flying to D.C. in May. I'm flying Southwest. We'll find out. We'll find out if they're actually serious about this. But they got caught with their pants down. This apology is... is uh, Day, day late, dollar short. Southwest has reimbursed more than 273,000 passengers since the meltdown in December. Uh, so more than 96% of those requests have been submitted so far that have gotten the payback. So they're trying to do right, but still, what do you want, the money or your time back? I mean, most people, I think, would want their time back. Well, I, I've I told stories on the show. I read stories about people who were going to their wedding in, in some far off place. And that had to be, you know, restructured, rescheduled. There's a lot of cost in these things. Are they going to pay those people back for all the lost fees, hotel fees, banquet facility fees, all this stuff? That's seriously, you know, making it right with your customer. Again, we'll find out. This, this could be a, a deal breaker for a lot of people in their relationship with Southwest. See, I think the CEO and all these bigwigs, though, should have to fly the same way you and I do. If yeah. we're group B, number 34, yeah. then they got to stand there and be number 35 and hang with us commoners. Trust me, that's not happening. <laughs> that's not happening. 8.55. We check in and find out what Steve's cooking for the 9 to noon portion of his day. That's next. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Been asking your advice. All morning long about what to bring to a Super Bowl party if the host tells you not to bring anything. So what do you do? A couple of more here on the text line. By the way, this is a problem that I'm having now that I got invited to a Super Bowl party. Uh, here's one, Steve. It says, bring the host or hostess flowers. That's always a good gesture, right? Nice. Spalding was suggesting a six-pack, which I think is the best way to go. But then here's this, which I found this to be a very creative way, and I've had multiple people suggest this on the text line, the old National Bank talking text line, 855-616-1620. Take something for the host family to enjoy for breakfast. Coffee cake, bagel, or sweet rolls. Nothing you have to make, right? Something that's already, like, done. Egg bake? (laughs) Yeah. Here's a casserole. You're going to have to bake it for 45 minutes. Watch it so it doesn't burn. That's not a gift. Here's some egg bake. Yeah. Yes, bagels. I'm, I mean, only, that, I'm only anti-food because it puts you in a spot as someone who said, please don't bring anything. Now I'm obligated to eat the coffee cake that you bring in the next two days because it's going to go bad. I, I, I only say the beer and the wine idea because 
It doesn't expire. Like you're bringing it. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate <laughs> the you beers. Would be put off by a bag of bagels. What? Now I gotta put this in the toast. I gotta, I gotta eat, eat bagels. these bagels. Yeah, I, I actually agree with them. What? You're putting me in a bad work. spot. Bring the bagels into work, unless you work with the person you're inviting. <laughs> I don't know. Just bring, hey, isn't if that you're my to my house? Just bring me a bottle of wine. I, 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 that's I love the idea. Suggesting right. we'll, all morning. We'll go that way. It's got to be a good way. bottle of wine, though. Like at least more than ten or twelve bucks. Twelve dollars. Yeah, don't $10 be like because you can buy wine for three for ten. That, that's not a gift. No, I agree. The Steve's Caffiti Show is next, and you're starting with, of course, Joseph Pecky, Bill McCosh, and politics in the state of Wisconsin and in Washington D.C.